Welcome back to Weekly EP. My name is Cody Swanson. This is episode 13 with Violets Gone, a.k.a. Chris Fordham from Northampton, England. Chris came to the podcast by way of our guests from episode 8, and we talk about a range of good stuff, including color perception, philosophy, who you should be writing music for, and Chris also talks about doing an album in a week and how that has given him a whole new energetic push to finish a full length he's been working on for over a year. And I can 100% relate to that because I have an album fully finished apart from mastering and a name that I've had sitting on my computer for over three years. It's very embarrassing, but uh, maybe one day. And a quick reminder, if you or someone that you know would like to do your own weekly EP, just go to weeklyep.com slash submission or email us at weeklyep at gmail.com. And as always, we'll do a short intro, listen to the new record in full, and then dive into the creative process. First, here's a taste of that record. First of all, how's your night going? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, I've not been up to much, to be honest. I've, I've gone back to work finally, so uh, things are starting to get a bit more normal. Hopefully it's a good return to work. Yeah, it's been okay. Um, yeah, nothing's quite the same as it was, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah. enjoying it. It's <laughs> It was getting a bit boring at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so just to start it off, what, what is your name? Uh, so my name's Chris Fordham. Okay, and what, what's the name of your music project? Uh, Violet's Gone. Where did the name of that come from? Uh, it actually comes from a children's film called uh, Watership Down. Okay, so, uh, cool. yeah, it's it's one of those movies you meant to see as a child, but I didn't until I was an adult. Uh, meant to teach you how to deal with yeah cert- certain facts of life, and uh, Violet is the name of one of the the rabbits in it that gets killed off quite early on. And it's quite a moving scene, and I thought that'd be a good name for a band. I guess I still haven't properly seen that movie then. So, oh, it's classic. You should. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to put that on a list of things. Where did you record this record? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm in Northampton in England. Okay, cool. And uh, the majority of the songs were recorded on the living room floor. <laughs> that's awesome. It doesn't sound that way, <laughs> so that's pretty great. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and why were you compelled to make one of these? Um, well, I've been sort of recording an album over the last uh, 18 months or so, and it got really stale. It got to a point where I was thinking, I can't make these songs go forward any further. And uh, I don't know, the sort of creative energy had dried up and gone a bit weird. So I needed something to give me a bit of a kick. And uh, some friends I've encountered online did your weekly EP project. And uh, I thought, yeah, maybe 
maybe a bit of pressure will we'll get a song to come out if I if I've only got <laughs> a week to make something, and uh, it worked. So uh, <laughs> it was a good thing. And you got four out of it, so that's uh... yeah, it's more songs more than I've written in a year. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes, man. It's uh... yeah, I think when things are left to. Um, to just sort of go, particularly when you're recording on a, a, a laptop and you've got infinite time on there and as many effects and things as you can play with as you want, you just end up tinkering and the, the song gets a bit lost. Whereas just having seven days and not even seven complete days, just an hour or two I could snatch here and there, it forces you to do things and to get it done. And yeah, it def- definitely worked out for the best. So you said you were working on a you've been working on a record. Would you say that these songs are in line with the stuff you have been working on, or are these kind of something new that came out or a different kind of sound than what you normally make? Uh, yeah, it it definitely has elements from the uh, the album stuff, but um, some of it's very very different. The last song, particularly, it's a very straightforward folky type thing. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing like that on the album at all. I'm not actually sure where that came from. So <laughs> that was a very different thing. Uh, one of the songs is a little heavier with distorted guitars. It's just, it's not normal for, for that project particularly. Well, yeah, I look forward to getting into that. We'll get into those in a moment. But then the last question for the intro section here, what is your favorite kind of pet to have and why? Oh dear, favorite pet. Um, well, there's been plenty of dogs in, uh, in growing up. So, um, kind of, kind of had dogs as pets very briefly. I did have to look after someone's pets. Um, Daegu's one time, they were quite fun. Daegu's? Kind of fierce. Yeah. Fierce little rat type things. They, they were quite oh. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Why don't you introduce the record or, or kind of. Uh, so I, I decided to call the EP May Brain um, simply because it's where my head was at during the month of May, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I think uh, pretty much everybody had a strange May. So uh, yeah, mine was too. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So this is May Brain by Violet Gone. <laughs>
Just to each other and the 
said that you recorded this on the living room floor uh yeah majority of it <laughs> so so what is what does your setup look like what kind of recording equipment are you using uh or or uh, software and what what kind of instruments were you what did you use to make it yeah sure um software wise i've pretty much exclusively used reaper for everything i've recorded for the last 10 years um really good bit of software rate it highly um, the interface, I've got a, a Kai four mm -hmm. channel type mixer, pretty, pretty neat thing. I, I never have more than four things plugged in at once. So it suits my needs perfectly. It's also got some pretty nice VU meters as well. So it looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> nice. Like kind of analog look. Yeah. Yeah. A analog look, totally not analog mm -hmm. at all, but <laughs> yeah, it looks the job. Instrument wise, I, I have a habit of just trying to layer instrument upon instrument on songs, but because of the time frame, I kind of stripped it right back. Mm -hmm. um, so there's acoustic guitars, um, not particularly special ones. One, one I got from a charity shop even has appeared on here. Um, I, I'm predominantly a bass player. So obviously bass has made it onto all the songs, piano, bits of percussion and uh, a xylophone. And what kind of microphone were you using, out of curiosity? Oh, uh, it's the one I'm using now. Uh, it's an AKG C1000S. Okay. Pretty nice uh, condenser thing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very good. I don't know why I asked that question. There's, there's, <laughs> I know very few microphones personally, so there's a, 
very high chance that it would be what it was, which was me going, oh, okay, I have no idea what that looks <laughs> well, it's, like. It's but... the one that came up on uh, Amazon first when I needed one, so uh, I didn't do much research. <laughs> <laughs> and song number one, Time. This one definitely has a lot of really nice, I mean, I guess it's maybe stripped down for you, but it has a lot of nice layers to it. And I really liked the chorus when it's coming back to the verse with the, the buildup that goes into falsetto. Hmm. I, was, I was trying to do a kind of um, James Iyer, Smashing Pumpkins type uh, vocal on that bit. I, I can't remember which song of theirs it is, but he, he's... He's got quite a good range on his vocals, and he doesn't sing many of their songs. Mm. So I, I don't know. I, I just really wanted to try and do something along those lines. Maybe you could talk a little bit too about how the song came to exist. In terms of, did you kind of attack the songs one on one? What's your process when it comes to that kind of stuff? Uh, the way it kind of began was the uh, the first day of the week. I I sat in the bedroom with an acoustic guitar, just thinking, right, I've got nothing. Let, let's let's write some songs and uh I, what i found to be a very very effective way of coming up with something from scratch was to just tune my guitar into tunings i didn't know <laughs> and uh trying to search for some chords and feel oh, okay that works that sounds quite nice together with that um so time the the first song that that's actually in an open d major tuning which you know i don't know what mm. chords i'm playing when i'm in that <laughs> i know if i lay it flat i've gone up a major but that's it I, I don't know what the shapes are. Interesting. Yeah, it, it gave me a way of finding something that I obviously hadn't done in a song before because I didn't know what I was playing. That that was a bit of a theme throughout the record. So the um, the second song, it's a C sharp minor tuning. The third one is actually standard, and then the last one's open G. So it was just searching for melody lines within those open notes. The lyrics are probably the harder bit. Yeah, how, so how do you come about with lyrics? Like everyone has a very different approach to doing lyrics. Yeah, normally I I would like to say that all the songs are trying to say something really big and meaningful and impacting, but um, they're not <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, definitely with the four that are on here, that they're, they're not deep, soul-searching kind of lyrics. They're, they're just thoughts I was having at the time. Time in particular, it's a recurring theme in a lot of my songs where it's just thinking about how temporary things can be and you know you got to try and make the best of stuff it's a vaguely optimistic song for me uh a lot of my stuff tends to be a bit melancholy and uh underdog kind of stuff but mm. this is like yeah you you've got this you you should use it and do it cool that's a good way to start a record <laughs> yeah yeah start on a high and uh I, I don't know where it came from. It was just a, a random thought that came into the head and I just rolled with it from then. It's also pretty uh, wonderful that you have optimistic views of time in general, especially during this period. Yeah, I think you have to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so where, did, where do the lyric, lyrics come from when you're, when you're working on lyrics? Are those usually near the end? Yeah, definitely this time around anyway. Um, I did all of the vocals in one session on the last day. A lot of them, I was recording the instrumentals thinking, right, this song is going to have a verse, a verse, a chorus, and, mm -hmm. you know, however I'm going to plan it like that. And then, you know, with the, the wonderful sort of technology we got these days, I just stick it on my phone with headphones as I'm going about my normal sort of day, just thinking what lyrics would fit that. 
just having a headphone hanging out my ear while I'm doing everything else. It turned out to be quite an effective way of working, actually. Yeah, I, I knew a guy who was in a, a band in the city I grew up in when I was in high school, and, and I learned that they would do the same thing. They would record the instrumental parts of their tracks, and then he would just burn it to a CD, and dra- when he was driving around, he would just sing at the top of his lungs various lyrics when he was alone in his car, and that's how they wrote <laughs> The lyrics for their songs as well. That's a brilliant way of doing it. it, it it's definitely, um, this this project is the first time I've done it that way, and um, it's, it's going to continue, I should think. Cool. I'll have to give that a try too, because I, I usually have a horrible time writing lyrics at the end. Best case scenario, they come out in real time when the music comes out, and then I just refine it a little bit, you know? <laughs> and. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah. I think, yeah, the idea of singing along to the music while just listening to it just feels more natural. Yeah, I mean, both approaches, they, they work. They, they have their own merits for, for different sort of projects. Um, certainly mm. I have done it where you've, you've improved something and maybe just recorded it on a tape. And then you come back to it and you think, well, that was good, apart from that line. What was that? <laughs> and, th- and then you, you scrap that one the next time you come to record it. And, yeah. Or, yeah. Or you just say, uh, oh, that was a very poetic. <laughs> that, that yes. Non- yeah. That nonsense yeah. line. Uh, you just convince yourself that, oh, no, that, that, that's actually a really interesting metaphor. Very strange metaphor for that. But Yeah. The, there's a, a Travis song that I had in mind where um, he's singing a lyric where he's saying something about pillars turn to butter. <laughs> and uh, it was because he couldn't fit the lyric in. He, he was singing a line about caterpillars becoming butterflies, but he could only fit pillar and butter in there. So you end up with an image of a building falling down. <laughs> totally not what he was going for, but he stuck with it. And it's on the record. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I wonder how many things are like that, you know. This oh, it's got to be like, plenty. <laughs> yeah, like people are like, oh my God, this, this one song, you know, oh, it's so it speaks to me and it's like, uh, it's, it's probably been one of the realizations while while doing this um, this week long EP is that I've always tried to get the songs to mean something quite big because I, I sort of have a background where I studied philosophy and wanted to try and stick that to music, but no one wants that really. Uh, so trying <laughs> to make a song that's more accessible, um, you listen to stuff in the charts or even classic rock and pop music. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're happy with songs about love and money, so. Uh, you know, oh, why those, am I trying to do something bigger? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the best sellers right there. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. If you can combine that, then you've got a real hit on your hands. So, oh, an um, existential love song. Yeah, I also studied a lot of philosophy in school. And um, yeah, that's always one of those kind of balance beam kind of equations there is like, how deep do you want to get in a, in a song? Or how, how deep does someone else want to get with you in a song? Hmm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you can sneak it in there under the guise of uh, love or money, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a line or two, and then that, that's probably mm-hmm. the limit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, let's move on to then song two. I just wanted to ask real quick if it sounded like there were, there was some sort of synth or some sort of kind of ambient pad in the background. It's, uh, it's actually all guitar work. Um, really? So, yeah, no, no keyboards were, were used on this at all. Was it like the strumming where you um, kind of bring the volume up from the, like the knob on the guitar? or Yeah, it's that kind of violin guitar effect. Yeah, you, you're kind of fading it in for each individual note. Mm. It uh, 
goes into a, a boss looper pedal. Um, oh, okay. And then there's a kind of tape echo delay thing that it then follows into a bit of computer trickery. And then it's, uh, it's made. You, you make a guitar sound not like a guitar. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, it sounded really good. I, I would have had no idea that it was a guitar. It's uh, so many layers of it. It, it. it is hard to distinguish. The lyrics sounded interesting, but I couldn't fully make them out some of the time. I think obviously it's pretty distorted. Yeah, I was um, I was wanting to try and recreate a kind of um, radio mic sort of effect. You know, like you you've got your your face right up against the microphone, really mm-hmm. compressed kind of sound. And um, I kind of wanted it to be a little bit hard to figure out the words exactly. I've I've put the lyrics up with with the songs online and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people be able to read them if they want to. Uh, essentially, <laughs> what it was about was uh, a documentary I'd been watching, uh, where it was about a load of celebrities and their experience on LSD. Wow! So, okay. uh, What's that called? I think it was called something like "Have a Nice Trip," something okay. along those lines. <laughs> and okay. um, they they were all talking about it. They they had a mixture of positive and negative experiences. So nobody was saying, "Yeah, go take it," but nobody was saying, "Don't take it" either. It was. Um, it was a good approach. I thought the documentary was well balanced, but um, towards the end of it, when they were kind of surmising, they, they were saying um, what it's like is you're peeping over a wall and you can see all this stuff that's fantastic, but you shouldn't go there. <laughs> but then you can go there if you take the stuff. And it's, it was an interesting right. idea. Huh. And sort of an hour after I watched the documentary, I was on Facebook scrolling through social media and I've got friends that deal with this kind of transcendental meditation and what have you. And they used exactly the same terminology, exactly the same thing, um, but without the LSD. So uh, I thought, well, this is interesting. Two completely different outlooks, but they both want to look over this wall at something different. And how do I know which one's seeing it right? And that's that's, that's the song. That's the lyrics. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's a very interesting question, though. I mean... Is it the transcendental meditation that's seen it, or is it the psychedelics that are seeing it? Like, or are they seeing the same thing? You know, just from different uh, entrances, I guess. Yeah, and no one from any of the parties involved can say which one is true or not because it's their experience. And um, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you you can't say no. You, that's not true. That's not what reality is like because what it was for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can't we can't even describe properly what colors are to each other. So, yeah, we we go with the best idea that works for the majority of people, and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Is red the same red you see? I I don't know. It, it could be. <laughs> yeah, I guess if the if the brain didn't filter uh, what's going on, I think it probably would be quite a mess. So, I think there is something something to that theory, but I don't really know to what degree. Yeah. I mean, my, my day job is in um, optics, so I, I actually work with people's glasses and eyesight and what have you. And uh, just some of the optical tricks that can be played by your brain and your eyes is incredible. Mm-hmm. But then you have to stick in hearing, touching, smelling, tasting, and that's yeah. sensory overload. Um, all of them have to work in harmony, and they don't always. Oh, and, but yeah, I did want to say, yeah, um, you said that uh, you wanted to kind of get the distorted mic sound. And I, yeah, that's one of the notes I had was that it it kind of reminded me of the, the lo-fi kind of uh, punk rock f- vibe that you get from 
Like there's this uh, musician in America, uh, uh, Connor Oberst. He's in a band called Bright Eyes. And oh, yeah. Yeah. His band before that, Commander Venus, a lot of their, their songs have that kind of sound, you know, because it's probably just the microphones they were using were cheap or just like they were didn't know how they were recording them, you know, so it has this kind of distorted, kind of too close to kind of uh, too hot mic kind of sound to it, which I've, you know, of course, internalizes a really interesting, fun sound. I mean, I kind of figured that was what you, you were going for, either that or a megaphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meg- megaphone was probably along the sort of lines. Um, I mean, what, one of my favorite bands is uh, Deftones and mm-hmm. uh, Chino, their singer, he's always got this kind of um, distorted sound to his voice, probably helps emphasize his screaming. But um, <laughs> when they're doing the melodic parts, it, it sounds really, really cool on that as well. Um you know, people speaking into dictaphones as well, that that kind of vibe, that that's the sort of thing I was aiming for. Nice, yeah. It starts with, uh, I don't know, I forget which tuning you said this one was in, but... Um... Oh, uh, sort of open C-sharp minor, sort of. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, it kind of had a, it has this chord progression that reminds me of like, um, it's like C major, A minor. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> Ever since I realized how nice that progression sounds. Uh, I've noticed in a few songs, I know it's in the, um, the song How It Ends by Devochka. I guess my point is that I've heard it used in songs where it has this kind of really pretty orchestral surrounding it because um, you know it's just the two chords. But then, hmm. uh, and I was wondering where yours was going, but then when the, the guitar came in, like the you know, kind of guitar, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. This is going a very different direction. This is awesome. You know, like, yeah, I just um, want to catch you off guard at that bit. But the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the two chord sort of swap over, it's, it's a real kind of um, Hollywood soundtrack kind of trick. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing I have in mind when I hear those sort of two chord changes, it's um, a bit like Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the, the Winona Ryder's character in it. I can't remember her name, but she has this kind of motif that comes on whenever she appears on screen. It's sort of, it's a sad but happy tune at the same time. And it's a very similar pairing of chords, and it just keeps looping round and round. Huh. Um, I never noticed it, that. You'll hear it. You'll hear it in lots of films, but that—that's the one that stands out for me. Huh. Okay, I'll have to pay attention to that next time I see that because I've never noticed that before. I'm always very oblivious to uh, music scores like that because even when I've watched the Star Wars movies, you know, there's like Luke's theme and Leia's theme and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people that pay attention to that get really excited when they start hearing that song play, you know, cause like, Oh, we're about to go to Han Solo now, you know? And <laughs> I guess I know it, but I don't ever, I've never actually noticed. I think someone's pretty good at that. Sir John Bryan. So things like the eternal sunshine soundtrack and punch drunk love, the, the characters all have these little jingles that kind of announce their arrival. Um, but they're so subtle and so, deep in the mix of the film that you, you can skip over it almost or you just you associate it so much that you don't separate it from the character at all hmm. oh man yeah punch drunk love is amazing uh, uh, in easily. terms of music and everything but yeah pt anderson's that, best in my my view <laughs> yeah it's uh it's hard for me to pick my favorite of his films because every time he comes out with a new one i have to reevaluate um like phantom thread is a really hard film to watch but it's it's also quite amazing but um (laughs) but uh yeah and then the song ends in a really nice um this is this is the one that has the uh is it glockenspiel or 
xylophone. Yeah, yeah, just a tight, tiny glockenspiel at the end. Yeah, yeah. nice. I think that was the first instrument I ever learned how to play when I was a kid. It was like I was in like some little after-school glockenspiel class. It's a good one to go for. They they forced us on the uh, ocarinas at my school. <laughs> Not the recorder, but the ocarina. Ocarina, yeah. Um, still have them. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I can't separate that from Zelda, though. That's the problem. No, um, no, no, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I guess moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I was like, I had to stop myself from going down it. Zelda rabbit hole as well. So um, keep it to some form of music, even though there's a lot of music in Ocarina of Time, but uh, that's for another time, I think. But, <laughs> so song number three is called Learner. And the main question I had about this, and maybe it's none of these, but is this about being a child and seeing through a child's eyes or having a child and trying to see the world through their eyes or, or is it just about the wonder that one experiences through that perception it's um kind of more of a, a mixture of the first two uh, i am a, i am a parent to two children and certainly since they've come into my life i have had to look at things very very differently to understand where they're coming into things how they're seeing things and um the, the title learner it's kind of we're, we're both learning so they're learning about the world and how to navigate it. Hopefully, I'm doing a good job of showing them that. I'd, I'd like to think <laughs> I am. And uh, they, they've certainly taught me some stuff as well. Um, yeah, more, more the sort of emotional and empathetic side of things that, that's come from them to me, which I perhaps didn't anticipate before I was a parent. It was, it was a very strange uh, developmental thing. And I surprisingly hadn't put it into lyrics until now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that it's um, not the easiest thing to put into words in a lot of ways. No, there's there's a lot of experiences that come with it, which are just, um, I, even just talking about them, it, it's hard to explain to somebody what, what it feels like or what it is you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah, I, even now I'm struggling. I don't know how I'm trying to say it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's a, a journey for all involved. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> it's the simplest song of the four i think um there, there are no dodgy tunings um <laughs> it's it's a straight waltz time all the way through it it's um yeah it's, it's an easy tune i think the lyrics were the hard part <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so song number four kindling and you had said earlier that this was maybe the least similar to some of the stuff you normally do because it's very acoustic-y. Yeah, this one um, it kind of took me right back to when I was learning guitar. Um, the first time I sort of ventured out live to play a song, it was at an open mic in uh, Rothwell, and uh, you know, tiny little village pub. No one's really listening, but you're on the stage and you sing your songs. And I was doing things like um, the really easy nick drake songs and um mm -hmm. trying to be jeff buckley and that sort of thing and uh you know, failing sometimes sometimes getting it I, I don't know and uh my, my dad had encouraged me to record some stuff on a four track and all of it i've, I've recently had a look at the tapes again it, it is it's me and a guitar singing into a microphone all live there's there's no dubbing no mm -hmm. effects nothing special it's just all straight to tape 
And uh, that's what I did here. The, the vocals and the guitar on one track. So I couldn't edit it if I wanted to. <laughs> I actually did that the other day. I recently got a, an old Casio keyboard and I just put it leaning against a wall and just turned the drum machine on really loud and yeah. then played uh, ukulele or whatever into a microphone. So it's all just one track, like one mono track. It was actually kind of a lot of fun to lose the control over that kind of aspect of it. Yeah, sometimes you, you throw out the best things that way because it, it is what it is. I mean, obviously you can go back and re-record it again and maybe polish mm -hmm. it up there, but that initial kind of demo version, that that's the root of it and it's kind of born something new for you to, to use. I mean, with this song particularly, it, it all happened on the same day. It was on day seven and the three tracks were finished. And I thought, three songs, that's not an EP. That's a single at best. So uh, <laughs> let, let's get another song quick. And uh, tuned the guitar down, worked out a little folky finger-picking type thing. And then the lyrics just came. So um, that mm. kind of went together. Time was of the essence, so it had to be a one-mic jobby. There are a couple <laughs> of overdubs, but yeah, the, the bulk of the song's one mic. I was wondering too, there's a section near where the melody builds up again and then drops down hmm. where it, it it I think the second time it does it it has a really like staccato kind of uh, you know quickly bowed uh, string instrument yes and I was trying to figure out what that is and I was wondering is it is that just kind of when you take a pick and turn it sideways sort of and uh, kind of brush quickly the strings of a guitar and create that kind of rustling sound or is that yeah essentially um yeah, I left the microphone all set up after I'd done the, the vocal and finger picking. And I thought it just needs something else, something else at that chorus, but just to lift it a bit more. And um, I just sort of started fast picking a note with my thumbnail. So mm -hmm. it had this kind of rattling, clicking sound as it was hitting. Um, I suppose I could have got the mandolin on there. I, I thought <laughs> about going and getting the mandolin but it seemed like too much effort so i just carried tune, on as i was have to tune the mandolin you know ah <laughs> uh, too many strings too many strings <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's it's that done about five or six times and fed through reverb so it just sounds huge but without dominating the song and it's uh it sounds like it's about like a reminiscing of the beginning of a like a long love or romance or relationship or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's uh, it's um, kind of along the lines of how me and my wife first met. Uh, oh, wow. It's not exactly the story. It, it uh, embellishes a little bit because um, you know it, it needs to be lyrical. So yeah, yeah it, it's an embellished version of how we met essentially. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of wondering about that if it was something along those lines, but uh, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's tempting to say everything can be kind of uh, Hollywood glamour, but uh, yeah. no, they're, they're real stories. They they are interesting in their own way, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, to make it a song, you you've got to glitz up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's very sweet, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, looking back on all these songs, what is your reflection on? the experience around the songs themselves and how it's done. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it has helped to sort of rekindle that songwriting spark, which I was worried was starting to sort of fade away because I've taken so long over the last thing. So it's been very energizing actually to do it, to get started again. 
I listen back to the songs with a bit of a critical ear. Obviously, um, I'll pick out bits and I think, ooh, that part of my singing was wrong. Mm-hmm. God, that's flat. How did I let that stay in? But then I remember, <laughs> oh yeah, I had, I had three days to do it. Um, <laughs> so I, I can cut myself a bit of slack. And if I really wanted to, I could go back and edit later on. But actually, I've, I've kind of resolved myself to say, no, these songs are staying like this. This was a, a snapshot of a time they're going to be as they are now forever and that's fine i think that's been the lesson from this i've, I've got to stop polishing stuff so much mm-hmm. yeah I, I can live with these four songs as they are because to me they're good they, they work as they are yeah i could get a string section i could play drums on it or whatever but they don't need it they really don't need it <laughs> no that's great that's really cool like i i have a record that i have fully recorded and it's fully mixed and I either just need to pay someone to master it or I just need to finish mastering it myself and release it. And I recorded it about three and a half years ago and I still haven't put it out, you know? (laughs) Oh, right. That that, that needs to see, that needs to see some light. You need to get that out. (laughs) Right. But like, that's, but it's like the same thing where I like, I thought that I had done a mastering of it where I, you know, was really happy with it, but, now I'm like, well, I should probably go back and try, like, take a listen and do it again. The thing that uh, both me and one of my friends locally who records music, we, we came up with a revelation for ourselves in recent times where it was, um, who are we recording this for? Was the question we should be asking as we're going through the whole thing. Because I think when I first started out with recording, you have the same ambition everybody does. Like, I'm going to record something brilliant. I'm going to put it out. Everyone's going to love it. You know, I don't want to be famous or successful i just want everybody to love it mm-hmm. and that's a hard goal that's a really hard goal <laughs> i've realized in recent times um so the the yeah. kind of resolve i've now got is i just want to enjoy it so if i record it for me i really love it that's enough and then if somebody else happens to like it fantastic that's kind of where i've i've got to these days trouble is i'm finding it hard to impress myself <laughs> <laughs> No, but I like that. I really like that idea. I think that's a really nice way to approach it. Yeah, because I've I've found that I, I I enjoy the songs that I make now, maybe more than I allowed myself to when I was younger, just because it maybe it's rarer now. It doesn't happen as often. Hmm. So if it actually does, I I kind of go, oh, I made a song, like that's fun, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I was listening to one of the other episodes and. Um... Uh, the guy you were talking to was saying that you know he was a college student and he was bashing out a song a night or a couple of songs a day, and oh, yeah. uh, now now it kind of came out where it was like I'll write a song a month or a year, um, mm-hmm. but I feel happier about it because that song has had a, a lot of effort and heart put into it. It it's just about where you're at at the time. Um, yeah. Certainly, I went through the same phase. That that interview kind of resonated with me a bit <laughs> because. Um, sixth form i was knocking out a song an evening and i now look back at those notes in my book and i'm thinking god what was i thinking at the time but back then it was the best thing ever <laughs> yeah. you, well, you kind I mean, of change with the songs <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that interview is especially for me as well i mean i was very much like uh, you know checking off boxes for my own um experiences like yep mm-hmm, i know how that goes <laughs> i think a lot of it too is just a practice. I think maybe he and I talked about that as well, but I think a lot of it's just uh, routine. And when you make music part of your routine, if you sat in front of a microphone every day for 
30 minutes and just kind of strummed your guitar and, and just kind of sang random stuff, like you would maybe get one song a day that way, at least. Yeah, or just a lyric or two. Yeah. Or fragments or something, yeah. But like when you do it an hour every week after work when you're stressed out or whatever, or you're tired and then it's like, you're like, ugh, I can't write music anymore. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I just used to sit and try to record stuff like every day. Yeah, maybe that's just why. <laughs> it seemed like it was easier just because of routine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the voice I have in my head a lot of the time is uh, uh, a journalism lecturer that I had when I was at college, a um, guy called Alan. And he used to say, go home, write a thousand words. Doesn't matter what about, just write a thousand words and do it every night. And then eventually you'll find something that you've got. It might not be that they all follow one after the other, but you could probably piece something together out of that and then write it again. And uh, <laughs> it sounded like a lot of work for possibly no reward at the end, but he was spot on. And actually, I've, I've realized as time goes on that, yeah, I should have been doing that all along. Could have a couple novels by now or something. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, that, they, yeah. They're there for another day. <laughs> <laughs> if the listeners want to find more of your music, what are the best places for them to check out in terms of Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, etc.? For sort of updates, um, there's, there's a Facebook page, um, which is just Violet's Gone. Just search it in the search bar, it'll come up. Um, Bandcamp, we've got the first album on there. This EP will be on there as well. That's uh, violetsgone.bandcamp.com. There is a SoundCloud as well, which again, just search the band name, it will come up. And that's it. I'm, I'm not on any of the streamers at the moment. I haven't looked into that. Chris, thanks so much for, for coming on here and for making the record, man. I am legitimately, like, truly happy that it was able to kind of kickstart some stuff, and I look forward to hearing your new record. Thanks for uh, having me along. It's, it's been a really good experience for me. Have a good rest of your evening. I will do. Thank you. You too. And uh, it's, ending these is always so awkward. It's like when you're I hanging really out. like when you ask the questions. Whoa, is this, is that my phone? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is so weird. Uh, all right. What a weird thing. I've never heard it say that before. Um, anyway, <laughs> it really has been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. All right. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. <laughs> right. Later, man. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Weekly EP. Once again, my name is Cody Swanson. I hope that you enjoyed this week's album and interview. Chris had some really, I think, you know, interesting ideas and perspectives on songwriting that made me think a little bit, and I hope they also made you guys think or stirred up some ideas. I have long given up on the idea of being famous because of music, or in general, probably, but uh, if I can learn to be happy with what I make and to have that be enough, I think I won't ever stop writing songs. Plus, I finally managed to get my two synthesizers to sync up via MIDI clock, so who knows what will come from that. Please check out more of Chris's music at violetsgone.bandcamp.com or search for Violets Gone on Facebook. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help a lot. Also, follow us on Instagram. 
You can find all the episodes and more on our website, weeklyep.com. And if you or someone that you know would like to do your own weekly EP, please get in touch. We would love to hear from you.